0: Praise God. Now we're in a series and uh, I've been away for a couple of weeks and thanks for your prayers. Uh, we had a whistle trip of ministry. I think we preached 12, 13 times. In, uh, we went through New York, we went through Alabama and then into Florida. And we saw the power of God breaking out. We saw people giving their lives to Christ. We saw God get, uh, people getting on fire for the Holy Ghost. Remember, as a church, we're not just called to a city. We believe that God has called us to cities, towns, villages, nations, and the world, amen. And we believe in God with the life that he's given us that he he would, by his grace, use us, people like you and me, amen, to bring his salvation and his life across the planet. Now, back here, I know you've been having a good time because I've been tuning in when I was over there because it worked out when, when Gina was preaching here last week, it was about six in the morning, over there. So I was able to do church before we went to church, which was fun. Now we're going to continue on. We've been on a journey. If you're visiting with us, we've been on a journey. Oh, Let me just say again, a big, huge welcome to everyone watching online. Come on, let's give them a cheer. Everybody who is tuning in. We've been on this journey called House of Prayer, and hasn't it been exciting? I felt the the house stirring as we we seek to honour prayer, as we seek to make God's house a house of prayer. Even our pre-service prayer meetings have just gone up a level, really excited by what God's doing. And we've been on this journey, if you're visiting us for the first time today, we're really thankful we're here. But you join us on this journey called House of Prayer, where we're looking at how God would have us to pray as a church but also how God would have us to pray as a people, and uh, I know a couple of weeks ago you had Pastor Paula, and she was speaking on understanding the place for certain prayers, but when we speak about prayers, there's different types of prayer, supplication, perdition, uh, petition, and um, we were looking at the different types of prayer, and didn't she do a great job, Pastor Paula, and uh, Last week, boy, you had Pastor Gina last week, and she was talking about the place of intercession in our lives. And I always love it when I come back from traveling, and people were like, oh, Gina was really good. Not like, we're glad you're back. Just, "Oh, oh, Gina was really good. So I'm good. She's really good. Well, sorry if we're lessening it today, but I'm so thankful for the gift that's on Pastor Gina, aren't you? That ability to teach the word. And she was talking about the place of intercession in our life. That our prayer life shouldn't just be about us. Amen. When we talk about prayer, if it ends with us, we're bound in selfishness. But God wants our prayer to affect our life, but our prayer life to affect others. We've got to make sure that we're not just praying for me, mine, my wife, my kids, my dogs, but we're praying for those who don't even know we're praying for them, but we're also praying for loved ones in our lives. And this leads us to the reality of the next part that we're going to look at, and today is called praying for the sick and the oppressed. And I don't know about you, I just think in our worship there, some people who maybe were sick got healed. And some people that were oppressed were set free. I love that. Because God isn't limited by our methods. We have methods, especially as Pentecostals. We do this, we line you up, we pray for you this way. Aren't you glad that God's not limited by our methodology? But God says, listen, I'm going to touch people because I love them however I want to. And God's able to heal a person sitting in the crowd as much as he's able to heal a person coming forward to an altar for prayer. He's unlimited. John 3, it says, he's like the wind, he blows where he pleases and does what he wants, amen. Now, this leads us to a point that God wants our prayer life to not just be about us, but also about praying for others. And I've got a statement here that can go two ways, actually. We need to be praying for others, but also praying for others. Anyone confused? But sometimes we're to be standing in the gap for a person, that's intercession. Sometimes God will put a person on your life, and you may not physically be near them, you may not physically see them, and you choose to take the position of an intercessor, somebody that stands in the gap between God's intentions and that person. But I also want to say, because I'm a good Pentecostal, But sometimes God won't just have you to pray for a person from afar, but he'll have you to pray for a person up close, lay your hands on them, pray for them, rebuke the sickness off of their life. You know that that's not just the role of leadership, but every believer, Christ has given them authority to pray for sick people. So I want to talk in this moment about our prayer being one of intercession Sometimes we pray for people without them knowing. My kids know I pray for them. This morning I didn't go and wake them all up, but I prayed for each of my children. I stood in the gap between God's intentions and them. But sometimes, like when my kids come in and they're not feeling well, they get to Pastor Gina first and she's like, right, I'm going to pray for you. Right, Christine? Right, I'm going to pray for you. She just gets on them and she physically prays for them. We've got to be ready for God to use us to pray for people but also to pray for people and see them healed. I believe we're standing on the edge of an incredible move of God. Could be the move of God before the return of Jesus Christ. I'd go this far to say that. And I really believe that God ain't going to sneak out the back door and neither is his church. But there's going to be a release of power upon people who are living kingdom lives to see others set free. Now, We've been given authority to pray for the sick and oppressed. We're gonna look next week at spiritual warfare. We're gonna look at um, the authority that we have in Christ. But I wanna just start today by saying, God wants you, if you're a God lover, if you're a follower of Christ, to be praying for other people, not just on your knees, but when you have opportunity. God doesn't just want you praying for Christians. God wants you praying for unsaved people. Because how many people in the Gospels were unsaved when Jesus healed them? Pretty much all of them, right? And after they were healed, they went, we want to follow you. It's a wonderful tool for evangelism. See the power of God, heal a person, and then introduce them to the one who healed them. Now, God wants us to have confidence in praying for others. Remember, we're talking about being a house of prayer, a people of prayer. Now, we can have confidence when we look to God's Word for what it says about us praying for other people in our life. I want to look at three things this morning that the Word word of God tells us concerning us having confidence in praying for people who are sick or oppressed. Number one, God told us to do it. That's a good reason, isn't it? Now, I don't know about you. I want to be obedient to what God told me to do and obedient to what he didn't tell me to do. I don't want to do what he didn't tell me to do, but I want to do the things he did. Everybody still with me? All right. Now, God told us to be praying for the sick and the oppressed. He commissioned the early church, but at the same moment, he commissioned us to be a people that bring a salvation message to people's lives, but also bring salvation to their broken life. Now, let me qualify that statement. Jesus is the one who saves, amen? But every time we tell somebody the good news of what Jesus has done for them, we bring the message of salvation to their life, and if they respond, they can have eternal forgiveness and salvation, and an assurance of eternal life after the grave. That's good news, isn't it? But I also believe that God wants us to bring salvation, which means wholeness, to other areas of their body that they're suffering with here and now. I really believe that the plan of God isn't just to save a person's soul, to get them to heaven, but he wants to minister to broken bodies, broken minds, broken hearts, And bring wholeness to them here, not say, you'll be whole one day when you die and you're with me. This is just my belief. I've sinned too much not to believe this. Now the word salvation is the word sozo, and it means wholeness and well-being in every part of a person. So when we say salvation, it's not just the saving of your soul. It's the well-being of your soul. He restoreth your soul, it says in Psalm 23. It brings healing and wholeness to your body if it's sick. We need to expect healing, not be surprised when it comes. Now, let's look at this commission that we're given in Mark 16. Obviously, the Great Commission is in Matthew 28, verses 19. But we also read it in Mark 16. Now, this is Jesus speaking to them, but I want you to hear Jesus speaking to you. Anybody a follower of Jesus today? Anyone a disciple? Come on, the rest of you, are, just, are you awake? Are you with us today? Come on, anyone a follower of Jesus today? Anyone a believer? Let me put it that way. That's brilliant. Well, Jesus says this to you as much as he says to the first batch. He said to them, go into all the world, including Portsmouth, and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved and whoever does not believe will be condemned. They remain condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Give me a wave again if you're a believer. All right. These signs accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons they will speak with new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it won't hurt them. Please don't play around with the snakes and the deadly poison. That's just stupidity. Um, I watched something online the other day of a snake handler and he died. And it, what Jesus was saying was if you're in a situation and you get bit, shake it off. Don't go test God with the snake. Everybody with me I just want to put a little you know a little thing in there just uh, no drinking deadly poison stick to diet coke that's deadly poison but that stuff's okay for you apparently <laughs> And then it says and they will lay their hands or place their hands on sick people and they will get well not get weird get well all right Now get wor- well the word get well is the word recover some translation says the believers give me a wave if you're a believer We'll pray for people and they will get well. The word there is recover. And the word recover is return to a normal state of health, mind or strength. Regain possession of something that was stolen or lost. So apparently when believers pray for sick people or oppressed people, God causes recovery that could be instantaneous or it could be a process, a journey too. But he brings back what was stolen and restores a person to their true condition. Now this is every believer's mandate, not just the leaders of the early church. In the book of James chapter 5, you're right when it says, if you're sick, call for the elders of the church but also we've got to understand that Jesus commissioned every believer yes it says in James to call for the elders of the church but we can't rule out that in these verses Jesus is commissioning you and me and every believer to be a person that doesn't just share the gospel with people if they're sick or oppressed we pray for them in Jesus name and we see them set free and healed can somebody give me some encouragement all right, all right. <clears throat> now Jesus actually said this in John fourteen twelve, he said, Greater things will you do. I remember when I read that, I was like, I'd settle for what you've done, Jesus. Anybody else, you read the Gospels, I'm like, I'd settle for that. But Jesus says, No greater things will you do because I'm going to the Father, but the Spirit that's in me and on me will be in you and on you to do I mean same things would be enough. But Jesus clearly says greater things. Now, so number one, we need to know that God has told us to pray for people who are sick and oppressed. Not just in intercession or on our knees, but whenever we get an opportunity. People are very rarely put off unless you're being weird. Most of the time I pray for people and they're not saved and they're sick. They're thankful that I cared. It's only if you get a little bit flaky, it can get a little bit strange, right? So let's not be flaky. Can somebody say amen? All right. Number two. So number one, we know God's told us to do it. Number two, we know God's revealed heart and his will for people, that God's will for them is that they're healed. Now, you've got to know that in your heart to have a confidence to pray for a sick person because if you believe that God's teaching them something by making them sick, you've got no right to pray for them to be healed. But when you have a confidence that God didn't make them sick, God makes them better but it's God's will that they don't perish. Now, there's a famous verse, 2 Peter 3, 9. It says, it's not God's will that any would perish. That's speaking about salvation and eternal life, but it's also a principle that covers a person's natural life. God takes no delight in the people he's created perishing, fading away being rotted away by sickness and disease that was a result of a fall not his original design for your life now god would be working against himself if he was also the one that made you sick he actually had a bit of a go at people in mark 12:22 some religious leaders came to him and said to him he was he was setting someone free from oppression and the religious leaders came to Jesus you can read about this if you're taking notes in, in uh, Matthew 12:22 and they say to him, "This man, Jesus, is setting people free by Beelzebub." That's a bit of a scary accusation to make on God, isn't it?" And Jesus said, "No, a house divided against itself can't stand. A house that makes somebody sick can't be the house that makes them better." And then Jesus said, you need to be really careful what you talk about the Holy Spirit. He actually says that. Now, we need to understand that he was the one making people better. Read the Gospels. And everywhere he went, people were healed. It doesn't say in everywhere they went, people got sick. Everywhere he went, people got diseased. And he said, that'll teach you. You know, sometimes I hear people go, oh, oh, I'm sick because God's teaching me something. What, you want me to pray for you that you die so you really learn? God uses his word and his spirit to teach us what he wants to teach us. If we refuse the word and the spirit, then sometimes we can be taught lessons by things that weren't meant to teach us. Amen. Everybody good? So this is how I kind of sum this bit up. Devil bad. God good. Is that too deep? Devil bad. God good. It's really simple, but... You know, if you believe that, it's amazing what you can experience. Remember, 1 John 3 8 says that Jesus Christ said, I have come into the world to destroy the works of the evil one. We need to attribute to the evil one what belongs to him and give to God the glory of what belongs to him healing and freedom. And liberty and resurrection, all of those things belong to Jesus Christ, King of Kings. Sickness, disease, ruin, perishing, they don't belong to God. They don't belong to God, they belong to the enemy, which is devil. and, And Jesus brings freedom from those things. So number three, we've got to be knowing it is both his will and his ability to heal. Because if you don't believe that God is willing, that's going to get in the way of you releasing healing into a person's life. If you're praying for them, now God can bypass you, don't worry about it, you're not that important. Read in the Old Testament, he used a donkey to communicate because the one who should wasn't. God can bypass us, but he shouldn't have to. We need to, when we pray for someone who's sick, at the core of who we are, Pray knowing, number one, he's willing. Number two, he's able. Now, imagine in my life or your life if you had a financial debt and you couldn't clear it yourself. And a person came to you and they said, you know, door one. They come and they they say, hey, guess what? I'm able to clear your debts. And you go, wow. And they go, but I'm not willing. You'd be like, thank you, bless you. Thank you, you've made my day a little bit cheerier. Or you had somebody else say, I'm really sorry for what you're going through, Pastor Andy. I am so willing to help you. I'm just not able. Thank you for your good intentions. That's beautiful. Would appreciate that which you desired to do. When we approach God, For healing in our life. When we pray for healing in our life. When we pray for healing in the lives of others. We pray with a confidence that the gospels give us. That he is both willing and able. So where do we see this? The first place we see it is Matthew 8 verses 1 to 3. And it says, When Jesus came down the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy, he was a dead man walking, he was dying on his feet, came and knelt before him and said, Lord, listen to the question, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He didn't have a question with the ability of God. His question was with the willingness of God. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. You weren't meant to touch lepers, right? See, what was in Jesus was greater than what was in him what's in you is greater than what's in them. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and he said, I love this, I am willing. Be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. So here we see Jesus saying to that man and countless others throughout the gospels, I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing. For you today, I'm willing, I'm willing. For you, when you pray for sick people, ah, but they're not saved. No, nor were most of the ones that Jesus prayed for. But he was willing, willing, willing. Now let's look in Mark 8, verse 22. Jesus had just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. He came into a bit of a chaotic situation where a father was dealing with a child who was oppressed. He was demonically oppressed and The man came to Jesus and said, what is wrong with your boys? I asked them to heal him, and they were not able. Jesus says, bring the child to me. And he says, how long has this child suffered this way? And the father responds, it has often thrown him into a fire or water to kill him. And then the father says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Listen to the response of Jesus, if you can, question mark, Jesus said, everything is possible for the one who believes. This is Jesus speaking. If you've got one of those Bibles that puts the words of Jesus in red, these words are in red. Notice what he does with the Father before he releases the miracle. He deals with the unbelief because the unbelief was that God was not able or willing. Jesus said, oh no, all things are possible because nothing's impossible to God, amen. Now, it wasn't one or the other. In these two verses that we've read, we see a person that notices or understands God's willing and in the second account, we learn of a person who uh, doubted God's ability. Now, in those two accounts and in countless others, Jesus demonstrates over and over again his Father's heart for healing and for setting free. Now, it involves faith, but we need to understand our faith is really simple, that we understand if we're praying for ourselves or we're praying for someone else, number one, yes, he hears. Number two, Yes, he's able to heal them. If you keep things in a childlike state of simplicity, things don't get, healed, don't get um, difficult, people get healed. It's only when we become complex, what about this, what about that, have I done this, have I done that? No, no, we need to believe that he is, Hebrews says, those who come to him must believe that he is, and he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, All Right? So we need to, when we're praying for people who are sick or oppressed, believe that he is, and he's able and willing to bring freedom to their lives through the prayers that we pray. So when we look at God healing people, it's not just about physical sickness, but also every form of oppression. See, it's very clear in Scripture that Jesus doesn't just heal the body, bring wholeness to the body. He also brings wholeness to a broken mind, wholeness to broken emotions, release people from oppressions that have been holding them. And he has given us the authority as his body on the the earth, we're going to look at this next week, to be praying for people and seeing his power come through our mortal lives to see them set free. I love this story in Luke 4. It's the moment after Jesus had been baptized. The Holy Spirit had descended upon him like a dove. Shortly after he goes into the temple, they give him a scroll to read, which was the um, book of Isaiah. He unrolls the scroll, and nobody's surprised when he reads it. He says... The scroll says the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and set the oppressed free. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favour. Everything was fine at this point. Until he rolled up the scroll and said today this is fulfilled in your midst. That's when all hell let loose in the camp of the religious how dare he because they couldn't see that the one standing in front of them was the son of god we're going to look next week how jesus has restored the authority lost by adam and he's given it to not the leaders of the church but to the believers to be able to pray over themselves thank you lord The same Spirit of the Lord that was on you is now on me. You have anointed me, not to show off on stage, you have anointed me to preach the good news, to see sick people healed, to see oppressed people released. The same Holy Spirit that was operating on you, Jesus, is now living in me for me and on me for others. We need to unroll the scroll. And begin to own God now living in us. Amen. Notice it says recovery of sight and freedom from oppression. Again, we're dealing with praying for the sick, seeing the oppressed set free. When I looked up the word oppression before we came out, the word oppression or the oppressed means bruised. Isn't that lovely? But it says the spirit of the Lord is upon us, the church, corporately and individually to see sight restored to blind eyes and to see people who were bruised made whole again. How many people know this thinking life can bruise you real good? But my God is able to repair, renew and restore every bruise that this life has done to you. Amen. Yeah, give Jesus a clap, he's awesome. Now we need to understand that Us praying for others simply involves two things. Faith and obedience. When anyone asks me to pray for someone, you won't see me straining. I don't squeeze their head like a cantaloupe melon until they pass out. Why? Because Andy Elms can't heal a fly of a head cold. But Christ in me and Christ through me, nothing is impossible. Amen. Now, listen to these words again by Jesus. We're in the book of Mark, still chapter 11, verses 22 to 24. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Not might, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Ah, I was taught that seeing is believing. You need to rewire your brain. Because the Bible says, first comes believing, then comes seeing. Ah, no, my parents taught me seeing is believing. Lay aside the traditions of your fathers that make you captive to mortal things and begin to agree with the word of God that first we believe that every word he speaks is true. Then we see the demonstration of what he said would happen. We also understand that healing is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? First Corinthians 12 verses 9 to 10 talks to us about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, two of the gifts, if you read them in verse 9 and 10, are healings... And miracles. So Paul is saying to the church, some people say that it ended with the disciples. I don't think so, because why would Paul write a letter to the church saying, you now have the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit has brought his toolbox with him. In that toolbox is everything you need to do what Jesus has asked you to do on the earth. In that toolbox, there's a spanner called healing and there's a hammer called miracles. When you pray for somebody, the Holy Spirit in you released the gifts of who he is into the situation you're dealing with. Now like I said, we make no apologies for being the people who are Pentecostal. We believe in the modern day indwelling and the modern day ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now here's two big words that end with isms that are often the um, core of the battle in people's understanding. There's a thing called cessationalism and also continuationism. Cessationism says all the miracles, the power of God, the demonstration of the Holy Spirit ended with the early disciples when they died. Now, we don't believe that. We believe in, let me just say it correctly, continuationism. And what that means is the same Holy Spirit that was in them is in us The same Holy Spirit that did miracles through them will do miracles through us. The same Holy Spirit that healed the sick through them will heal through us. Because otherwise, God gave some things to one group of people, some things not to another group, but asked us all to do the same thing. And that wouldn't be fair. So we believe that the Holy Spirit is in us for us, on us for others, We believe in the modern-day ministry of the Holy Spirit. We believe that today Jesus has commissioned us to preach the gospel, see people come into the kingdom of God, but also not just in church, but in our workplace, in our schools, in our neighborhoods. When we come across somebody who is sick or oppressed... Without being weird, being confident, each and every one of you that said you're a believer can pray for that person. You don't have to squeeze their head, you can take their hand. We don't need to be Methodists, we just need to say we are releasing our faith to see you healed. Well actually I was raised to be a cessationalist. My problem is I've seen too many miracles to believe that. I've seen eyes that were wonky come straight when I prayed for them. I was crossing a border once where a person died and I saw him come back to life. I was in a meeting about four, five, no, two months ago where the pastor's sitting on the front and I get a word of knowledge, someone's long-term injury in their ankle is healed. The whole second row heard it pop. He began to run around the building. I can give you his number if you like, he's still completely healed. We were in Africa and there was a deaf ear that opened, right Corbin, you were there, it wasn't just me, a a lady, God still heals. If we still speak in tongues, we can still believe for the other things that Jesus promised to follow our life, not for us to show off. But for Christ to be glorified and for people to be made better. People are sick. They don't need any good opinions. They need the power of God to break the sickness off of their body, to take the depression out of their heart, to break the insanity off of their mind, to repair what needs to be repaired. Now, here's the good news Jesus wants your life to be a conduit of his power. Isn't that awesome? But we've got to not doubt in our heart. We've got to believe that God will work through us. We're his body on the earth. The head will work through his body to do the same things in this generation as he did when he walked the earth. Again, time doesn't allow to dig into that, but it gives us an overview. I wanted to end today, if you will just give me a couple more moments with some practical application. Would that be all right? Because we've spoken a lot about what we should do, but I want to also teach every one of you how to do it, all right? Because I want every one of you, if you see a person that's sick this week in your world, if somebody comes to you and says, I'm sick, I want to challenge you, I want to double dog dare you to say, listen, not only will he save your life, but he'll also heal your body. Is it okay if I pray for you? I want to dare you to do that. Imagine what could happen this week. Okay, here's just five or so quick points of practical application. You have to pray for somebody to see them healed. Well, I just want to see more people healed. Excellent. Are you praying for anyone? No, then you won't. You have got to pray for people. Find a sick person this week and just pray for them in Jesus' name. Imagine what could happen. Here's number two. Don't be weird. We have enough weirdos in life. Don't roll your eyes back so that they can see the whites of your eyes. That's scary. Don't squeeze their heads. Don't shout at them. Don't go into an, a, a, a new voice. You, one moment you're speaking like this and all of a sudden you're going, Yay, yay, what do I say? You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. You're not healing them. God is healing them through you. He just needs a set of jump leads. Anybody ever use jump leads? You put one set on a live battery (laughs) and the other part on a dead battery. And what's in the live battery comes into the dead battery and the engine begins to work. We are jump leads. The power is him, not us. Don't need to be weird. Don't need to be freaky. Please don't. Number three. Sometimes it's just a matter of you talking to the mountain, not explaining the issue to God. Have you ever been prayed for someone you say, can you pray for me? And they go into this long dialogue of what's wrong with you so God can understand your symptoms. Newsflash, he already knows. Sometimes it's just as simple, in Jesus' name. I was in um, Louisiana a couple of years ago and The pastor of the church and his wife, they'd desperately been trying to um, have a baby and she couldn't carry the child full term. She was really upset, which she would be with this. And I was doing some meetings in that part of Louisiana and the pastor came to me and he said, will you come and pray for my wife that she will become pregnant and carry the child? I said, yeah, no, absolutely. So I went there and I said, listen, I just want to give you a pre-warning. I don't know what prayers you've had before. They said, we've had quite a few prayers. I said, I'm a little bit different. All right, you just need to realize that before I pray. I'm a little bit different to some of the other prayers you may have had. And they went, no, 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 fair enough, fair enough. I said, so I'm gonna pray now, okay? Are you ready? They said, absolutely. And I could see them posturing for a long prayer. I said, look at me, become pregnant in Jesus' name. I'm done, thank you for your time. (laughs) And I could see when I walked away, They were highly disappointed. Nine months later, she was holding the baby. We don't need to explain things. We need to operate in the authority of Jesus Christ. We need to speak to mountains, believing in our hearts that they can move. Use your God-given authority. We're going to look at that next week. Understand the timing of issue. But sometimes I've seen people instantly recover. Sometimes they've taken a week, a day. I remember when I was believing for something in my life, remember that thing that wouldn't go away and, and, and Gina was like, you sure you're, I'm gonna be all right, I got a word from God. And it took months, but eventually I woke up and went, oh yeah, it's gone. Sometimes things take time We want instantaneous. Sometimes when we pray for people who are sick and oppressed, they get an instant miracle. Sometimes, like my daughter, it was a three-year journey, but we got there. We got there. Fully there. We brought it home in Jesus' name. So we need to be understanding that if nothing instantly happens, the word of God remains true. And he said will recover, which is a process of restoration. Do you know most people that you pray for, it took them a while to get sick. And they were getting sick even when they didn't know they were getting sick. All of a sudden they realized they were getting sick and then they got sicker until they got really sick. There was a process of it coming. Sometimes their healing is instantaneous. Sometimes God does it and unwinds what was done. I don't know why, but I've just experienced both sides of that. Here's a big one as we close. What if nothing happens? All right, good question. Let's be honest. We want this to be an honest stage. Well, you're saying nothing happened because you can't see what's happening in where you can't see what's happening. But if you feel nothing's happened, actually what I've done a few times is said, God, I did what you asked me to do. Sometimes I've got these wonderful stories of people getting healed and sometimes they died. Can we be real? Sometimes I prayed my little heart out for people I loved. And they didn't get up. But I went to bed that night saying, this is what I know. I prayed for them and I gave them my best prayer. This is what I know. You say, well, where was that in the Bible? Deuteronomy 29:29. It says, the revealed things belong to us and the hidden things belong to him. We've all got a whole bunch of hidden things that we don't understand. And in those moments, we've gotta have the courage to trust him when we don't understand. We need to have the courage to keep believing him when we don't understand. But keep on taking every opportunity to walk in faith and obedience to what he asked us to do. You shall lay hands, on the sick, and they will recover. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He has anointed you to open blind eyes, to set captives free, to see bruised people repaired. Imagine what will happen in this world when the Church of Jesus Christ begin to believe this stuff, begin to get up on their feet and say, I'm not going to wait till Sunday morning anymore. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. God's sending you this week into your neighbourhood, your workplace, your families to get as many people saved as you can. But he's also sending you to pray for people that are sick and oppressed. All we need is childlike faith and it's amazing what God can do with that, amen. I could keep you here with miracles I've seen that would prove... I'm ever so sorry he's still doing his stuff today. God, would you do your stuff through us, amen? If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm gonna pray a real simple prayer and I'm gonna give you the opportunity if you're here in person or you're watching online to give your life to Jesus, to receive him as saviour, receive him as Lord. Let's just pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me I believe his sacrifice equaled my salvation and I receive the gift of salvation I become born again the new creation you've called me to be fill me Holy Spirit My life now belongs to you, Jesus. Just my every eyes closed, every head's bowed. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus and you've prayed that prayer, maybe you've been away from God and you've prayed that prayer because you don't want to be away from him anymore. I'm going to count to three and if that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something really brave. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. If you're at home watching online, you can do it there. God sees your hand. Already I've seen a hand go up. Praise God. Keep your hand up. Here we go. One. Two, three. Anybody else today you need to give your life to Jesus? You've not been living for God. Hey, there's two more hands. This is awesome. This is turning into a brilliant day. We've got three hands here. Is there a fourth? There's a fourth hand there. Praise God. There's a fifth hand there. Isn't this wonderful? There's a sixth hand over here. Come on. This is turning into a really good day. Anybody else, and you say, I don't know where I stand with God. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Anybody else? I think that was seven hands, wasn't it? Anybody else? I'm going to ask you after I've prayed and the meeting's closed to go to the back to the sign that says best decision ever. We've got some Bible stuff. We've got some literature. We just want to help you make your next best step if you would do that. Only take two, three minutes of your time. Father, thank you for each of these seven people who have responded to your gospel. Let their lives be filled with your spirit. Their lives turned around for your glory, Jesus. And again, Father, I thank you over this house for anyone here or watching online that's been sick in any way. Let sickness leave your household. Let sickness leave your body. Let sanity return, be restored by the power of God in Jesus' name. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Oh, make his face to shine on you. Be gracious to you. The Lord Lord turn his face towards you and give you great peace. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Come on, we'll see you next week.